Hello and welcome to One Star Bazaar, where we review the movies critics hated in search of the unfairly underrated. This week we dive into the remake of the 1987 Overboard. The original film only has a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes, which makes us wonder just how much worse this gender-swapped update can really be. It was directed by Rob Greenberg, written by Bob Fisher, Rob Greenberg, and Leslie Dixon, in theaters May 4th, 2018, starring Eugenio Derbez? Eugenio <laughs> Derbez, unless there's an accent. Eugenio Derbez, <laughs> Anna Ferris, and Eva Longoria, has a 24% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 42% on Metacritic, so just barely over our standards for Metacritic. The original was liked by 89% of Google users, while the remake is liked by 88%. So to the layman, these movies are actually on par. Here's the synopsis. After a spoiled, wealthy yacht owner is thrown overboard and loses his memory, a mistreated employee convinces him that he is her working-class husband. Katie Erbland of IndieWire said... A wholly adequate spin on the dying romantic comedy genre, and both Ferris and Derb... I gotta look this up. See? Derbez <laughs> come out looking like champs. Stephen Witte from the New York Daily News just said, Abandon ship. <laughs> I'm sure that wasn't his whole review, but that was the main gist of it. Kevin Marr of the Times UK said, To make matters worse... The chemistry between Ferris and Derbez is non-existent and makes you yearn in a way you never thought possible for the glory days of Han and Russell. Ouch. <laughs> no, it's pretty harsh. So this is available for streaming on Amazon Prime, and we will watch it and come back with our review. But in the meantime, please enjoy this promo from our friends at the Nerdy Bitches Podcast. Hey, this is Liz. Hey, this is Heather. And we are Nerdy Bitches Podcast. A show where two geeky ladies podcast their way through pop culture. From movies and TV to our regular book club and everything in between, we bring you our favorite fandoms with a feminine eye. We are talking Star Wars, Star Trek, DC Marvel, comic books, and anime. And don't forget sci-fi, fantasy, action movies, video games, D&D, board games, and so much more. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you find awesome podcasts. You can also find us hanging out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and at nerdybitches.com. See you soon. Welcome back. So this is one of the rare instances, I think, where both of us have seen the original. Yes. Like, I feel like with some movies, sometimes we don't do that. <laughs> In fairness, though, I only saw the original like, last year. Because I made you watch it. It was, like, one, basically, yeah, it was cable filler type. You know, nowadays, like, streaming filler type movie that was just like, oh, yeah, okay. Let's watch this on a weekend when we have nothing better to do and we're doing chores. Yeah. Some of the critic reviews that we read mentioned the acting or the, the chemistry that was there between the two leads. How do you feel the actors did? I mean, I'm not a film critic, really, professionally at all. Everyone knows that by now. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, it's hard to judge. I don't claim to know a lot. But I didn't 
I don't really understand some of the complaints there. Like, I don't see an obvious lack of chemistry mm-hmm. between them. I think there was decent chemistry between him and the kids. Yeah. Um... And for a movie with a lot of kid actors in it, I don't feel that any of them necessarily dragged it down. Right. No, I mean, well, none of them were really a major part. Yeah, but even in the more, like, dramatic scenes where, you know, like, the the oldest teenage one has, like, all that angst and... Sure. You know, she did a fairly decent job with that, and then... Or when they find out that he's, you know, he recovers his memory and he's leaving them and they're all heartbroken... Yeah, they all did a good job. Yeah. So the acting is not the problem. I mean, it's passable Hollywood acting. It's, like, these people are professional actors, and they do fine. You know, it's the builder-grade acting, I guess, <laughs> you know, when, when it comes to, you There's know, There's no like high-end industry. finishes here. Sure, just the... <laughs> yeah, it's... But at least you're not going to complain about what you're getting. Because it's not like this is an awards caliber movie. It's just, you know, it was meant to make some money. This is like the the movie version of like flipping. You know, like flipping houses to continue the construction metaphor. It's like, hey, let's have, we have some money. Let's make a movie. You know, get some somewhat known actors in it. You know, and... Give a chance, maybe, to a up-and-coming writers, director, whatever. And I'm not sure what the budget of this movie was. I'm going to look that up really quick. But basically, I'm sure they were just hoping, hey, make a movie, put it out there, we'll make a little bit of money, move on, we're all good. Right. So one of the things I do want to talk about with this story is I feel like for a remake, I feel like they did do enough to make it different. So... Obviously, the the characters are gender-swapped, so instead of the rich woman socialite, it's a man, and the working-class, you know, person is the woman with three daughters instead of a man with three sons, and they also switched it up he had a little four bit. sons, didn't he? I don't remember how a many A bunch of were. sons. A bunch anyway. of sons. It might have been three. Okay. Um, but they, they switched it up enough that it didn't feel like you were watching the same movie over again. Like, it had more... I mean, I you definitely... You disagree? <laughs> it was definitely, like, a remake. Like No, it, it was, but I'm saying, I, unlike with, like, the Lion King remake, where it's basically a shot for shot. True. Like, they at least tried to be a little different here. No, they did, but at the same time, they were still hitting the same notes. Right. Like, they... Otherwise, what, it wouldn't be the same movie. <laughs> no, but the point is, you can have a remake and make it... Very different. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's an example. Though This is the only one that's coming to my mind right now. So you have strangers on a train. Right. Throw Mama from the train. Okay? It's basically a remake, but they changed it a lot because one was kind of a psychological thriller Hitchcockian film, right? Mm-hmm. The other one is a comedy. Right. So... It's possible to, I mean, and it, it happens a lot. You you, re, you remake a movie, sometimes they literally just say, hey, we just want to make a new version of it. And there's times where you're like, why? You know, I mean. Is it like the Disturbia rear window thing where they make be, it different enough? Yeah. Like in yeah. that case, it's what? Like he's a teenager that's mm-hmm. on house arrest or something? Yeah, something like, like that. 
a juvie delinquent. Um, <laughs> yeah, so something like that, you can change a lot. Here, they literally took the exact same story, exact same plot, even down to the poor working class person meets the rich person on their yacht because they're going to do some working class job project for them. Mm-hmm. And then they get, I mean, I get it because they wanted to have the same scenario of, oh, the rich person falls off the boat, bumps their head on whatever, you know, or almost drowns, gets amnesia. They could change that, though. Like, it could have been different, right? But I don't feel like it needed to be different. No, it didn't need to be, but then they didn't need to make this movie. (laughs) Like, nothing needed to happen at all. But why not try to... Make this your own. Like, why? I mean, okay, so the guy who directed this movie, which, by the way, I looked up. So it had a budget of $12 million and mm-hmm. it made $91 million. So I think in any world, it's safe to say that this was a profitable movie when it returned almost eight times its budget. Mm-hmm. I obviously don't know what they spent to market this movie and what sort of... We get a lot of flack for that sometimes. The numbers are never... Like, you can't just find the marketing Yeah, well, because the accountant's job is to make movies look like they didn't make any money. You know, it's all accounting, whatever. So, Rob Greenberg, who directed this film and was one of the writers, uh, writers, basically is a TV director and Mm -hmm. writer. Like, he's done, you know, How I Met Your Mother and Scrubs episodes and other TV shows. So, this is kind of probably one of his first forays into, you know, actual... The big screen. Yeah, the, the silver screen. Yeah, the silver screen. Silver screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I get that he kind of maybe wants to take a winning formula and just, you know, if you're a chef, to totally mix metaphors here from construction now to restaurants, <laughs> um, I get it how you maybe want to play it safe and you want to just follow the recipe. Right. And not really innovate. But that's, I think, the main problem I have with this movie is that it wasn't fresh and innovative enough. They literally just took the same scenario. The only change they really made was just switching who's the man and who's the woman in this relationship. And they called it a day. Yeah. It's set in the same place in Oregon. It's, you know, the same scenario of meeting on the yacht. Obviously, like, Kurt Russell was a carpenter who's there to build some cedar shelves or something, whereas this is, she's like a cleaning, you know, she's there to clean the carpets. But ultimately, it's the same scenario, you know, she's a working class single mom with a bunch of kids that she can't handle, and she's trying to better her life and become a nurse and working multiple jobs, which, same thing, Kurt Russell, I mean, he wasn't necessarily, well, he was trying to do the golf course thing in the first one, right? I think so. So he was trying to, Better himself, but more through the, the entrepreneur, course, yeah. yeah, the medieval golf course, entrepreneur business kind of path versus her trying to become a nurse, but really the same, the same concept. So, I mean, they even had the joke about like their dead spouse, who now the the rich amnesiac oh, yeah. taking their <laughs> place. You know, the dead spouse was super obese, and now you have this other person who's skinny. And they're going, wow, did, what? These are my clothes? Like, what? Oh, yeah, you, you know, you lost a lot of weight ever since you cleaned up your life and whatever. And it's like, yeah, anyway, I guess that's, I wish it had been, I wish they had taken more of a risk and maybe tried to make it their own more. 
Right. Because honestly, this movie isn't that bad, I don't think. But like you said, and, and I don't think it's really any worse than the original, honestly. I honestly thought it was a little bit better than the original. It, it might be simply because the old one probably feels a little dated because it is from the 80s. Yeah. And so everything looks very 80s and looks older, you know, they're not filming it on like high def know whatever yeah. cameras nowadays. I also feel like sorry in the original one I feel like Goldie Hawn's character is so much like it's hard to feel bad for her because she's such a terrible person and although in the beginning of this one he's a terrible person I feel like he more quickly adapts to their life Whereas in the original one, she took forever to finally, like, step up and be like... Which, that's almost a nitpick I have with this, because the fact that... Okay, the first one is in the 80s. Like, gender roles, women, you know, stay-at-home mom, kind of whatever, home Susie Homemaker, was still a part of our society more so. Like, right. it was real. It was... I mean, I don't know when. I'm we're in our thirties, so it's not like we were really like conscious as adults back then. But certainly, it had, things had started to shift. But I mean, I was you know born in the eighties, a couple years before this movie came out, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. You know, so I feel like it's almost it's weirder that Goldie Hawn's character should have just kind of been like, yeah, you know, it's it would have been. Easily expected of her, oh, yeah, you're the working class wife. Of course you're going to stay at home and you're going to cook and you're going to clean right. and doing all these things. Even today with more gender equality, I think it's still kind of a stretch. Like the man would be like, wait, what? I, I'm, oh, I do all these things? Really? Like I don't remember that. But also I'm a man. I mean, I don't know. Like I'm not saying that men can't be, you know. You were a stay-at-home stay dad, dad, stay dad for quite a while. I was a stay-at-home dad for a little while. Um. <laughs> It's just weird. I don't know. Like, I don't... I think there's certain parts of the movie where the gender swap doesn't really translate as well for... And it's interesting, though, that you're like, oh, she's such a horrible person. You know, Goldie Hawn's character is such a horrible yeah. person. Because, of course, she is this vapid socialite. Right. Right. And whereas he's... You know, they definitely... In that way, it's made its own, not necessarily because the writing changed the the scenario, but just more the, it was forced by the fact they wanted to switch the gender roles, right? Yeah. And so instead of being this vapid socialite, he is this, you know, playboy. Playboy billionaire. Yeah. And but even he just like, doesn't care, you know, he's never experienced the real world. Yeah. But even after, like, the first night he cooks dinner for them and it goes horribly wrong. Like, he's at the grocery store the next day and, like, picks up a magazine and it's right. like, oh, I can make this food better. And, like, instantly is like, let me try. I don't think that it was necessarily the next day, though. I think they kind of... Fudged it They fudged little. how the continuity, the editing, yeah. Like, I think there were times where they were jumping ahead a few days. And, I mean, I'm not saying that movies need, we need more montages. <laughs> but that would have actually been the kind of stereotypical thing you'd expect in a scenario like that. Yeah. Where they would have been, like, just shown him, like... Cooking, cleaning, slam the door on the shed, cooking, cleaning, you know, like going to, like, you know, kind of showing him over the course of 30 seconds doing his drudgery day by day and getting sick of it and just being like, oh, just depressed about it. And then he's at the grocery store, like, and because he even mentioned, he's like, yeah, I couldn't take that crap we've been eating every night. 
Yeah. You know, it's like, well, obviously it's been a few days then. Yeah. Because you know, he's already sick of the tomato sauce. So one of the things I was curious about with this story is so the the main male character, the male lead, is Hispanic. Yes. And this movie did really, really well in Mexico. It made like $26 million out of the 41 million like global Okay. So like most, yeah. not American countries. Um so I'm curious I mean the movie is also in English and Spanish. Like there are yeah, there's subtitled a lot of parts. So, so, quick aside, this is not necessarily the best movie to just put on in the background when you don't want to pay attention. Yeah. If I, you care about the story. <laughs> I had to have him read the subtitles to me because I had to pay attention to something else at the time. So I was like, okay, what are, you, you have to read the subtitles. Like, what are they saying? Right. <laughs> but I'm curious how, I mean, obviously that's a tactic that worked because... They're maybe bringing the story to a new audience that hadn't necessarily seen the original. So this is a story that was more entertaining or more interesting to... So Eugenio Derbez is one of the, like, top actors in Mexico. Uh Uh-huh. So, like, he's... I mean, he's now starting to cross over and be in some more known... Yeah, he did, like, How to Be a Latin Lover. Right. He's in the Dora movie. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, he's very famous and you know he's like one of their top whatever if you know whoever's on the people magazines you know top people in hollywood mm-hmm. whatever like he's on the mexico equivalent. he's like the brad pitt of mexico sure <laughs> yeah i guess so um and he, actually yeah because i mean brad pitt like produces stuff too and he produced a lot of things so it's not surprising and in fact the they even kind of joke about this in the film that the movie is kind of that primetime soap opera, telenovela, like, you know, oh, yeah, thing. <laughs> you know, the evil sister, the the guy with amnesia, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 they thought he was dead and he's really, la- you know, that is yeah. very much. There is one point the where Anna Ferris opera. is like, this sounds like a show that they watch down in the kitchen at the <laughs> pizza shop. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're obviously like pulling some of it from telenovela style, right. which obviously is very successful, like even in I mean, America like with yeah. um, Jane the Virgin, the TV show is like right. very telenovela-ish and yes. it's wildly popular. Right. So I do like that. I do. In fact, I almost like the fusion of cultures more so than the gender swap as yeah. far as the big changes that they made with the yeah. overall and Anna Ferris's character is fluent in Spanish because she works at a pizza shop with a bunch of Latino people. And actually, I mean, they did mention that they've been in Portland. I know that Portland has a pretty sizable Latino population. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought they did a good job of that, too, kind of marrying the, the cultures. Right. It was funny because, of course, I turned to you at one point and I'm like, um, their kids are white. Like, how is she going <laughs> to explain to her supposedly Mexican husband... Or I guess, you know, like, how they have white kids. You know, even he, and of course that was his first, he's like, um, I'm sorry, these are my kids? No. And she's like, oh. They're blonde and very Oh, no, remember we had to get a sperm donor because, you know, you couldn't, yeah, you know, get me pregnant. And he's like, what? You know, that's a blow to his ego. It was definitely, I mean, maybe, maybe the the cultural elements that they brought in is a good reflection of like modern day. Mm-hmm. Cause obviously he, so he gets a job with, 
Eva her, La- so yeah, her Eva Longoria's husband. Yeah, her her friend slash boss's husband. Yeah, who is also like the actor is like Tejano, mm-hmm. you know. So he has some Mexican heritage, I believe. But he he looks just like a fat white dude. But he speaks Spanish, and of course, <laughs> so he has the crew. Like the they're building a pool, and so he basically gets on this crew with a bunch of these Mexican immigrant laborers. And, you know, I, I thought that was good, you know, because that is kind of who is the working class of the significant, pop, you know, parts of our country nowadays compared mm. to in the 80s. I mean, there's still working class people of all colors, but that was, as I say, I think that was one of the stronger changes that they made. So in terms of how engaging this movie is, there are definitely some parts that are genuinely funny. Like... I think more of the, some more of the slapstick elements are pretty funny, were to me. Mm-hmm. Well, one you of know. the more dialogue-focused things that are pretty funny is when all the construction guys are sitting around, and um, Eugenia's like, oh, I just, I just feel like a paycheck, you know? Like, all I'm there for is to bring home the money, and all the guys are like, yeah, what do you think marriage is? Yeah, like, like you're the man. Like yeah, the man. like, that's your job. And then he's, like, complaining about the marriage. Oh, we, like, never are intimate anymore and the guys are like yeah that's that's what marriage is yeah like i haven't made love to my wife in three years man like shut up (laughs) yeah (laughs) so there are definitely some moments there that are um pretty funny but i feel like i mean in terms of a romantic comedy i feel like it's low on the comedy side would you say that i feel like it's low on the romance side at the same time though saying that i realize that some of the better romantic comedies are really, they're good because the people don't realize that they're in love until right. the end. Exactly. I mean, that's basically You've Got Mail when Harry Met Sally. Um, lots of others. Lots of others, yeah. <laughs> How to Lose a Guy in How to Lose days, a Guy in 10 Days. Yeah. <gasps> oh, you is gotta a, watch it. Is that a one-star movie? I don't no, think it is. I think it's, it's not. just barely not. Okay. <laughs> it is not. So maybe it was a decent rom com, but you're right. Like it definitely I don't know though. Do you expect a rom com to be as funny as a straight up comedy? No, definitely not. So then is it okay that this movie wasn't quite as funny? Yeah. But it had its moments. It did. And I mean I think it was generally enjoyable, if that's your thing. I mean, if you like mediocre rom coms. Right? I mean, considering I literally just watched another... I mean, I watch a lot of romantic comedies when you're not home yeah. because you don't want to watch them. Some sappy and terrible. Yeah, and so, I mean, compared to as... some of, like, the Netflix original ones I've watched recently, this is way better than those. Well, it certainly probably has higher production value, right? Not by much. Not by much. Yeah. It has better actors. Not anymore. Really? I mean, like... Netflix is stepping up their game. Not necessarily with their romantic comedies, but with, like, their dramas and their... Um, mostly the dramas. Okay. They're stepping it up. I'm They're saying, getting so like, A-list actors. Like, you watched... What like, is you it? watched Triple Frontier. That has A-list everybody. And that's a Netflix movie. No, true. That's true. I'm just thinking of, like... What is it? Love it? Love at the Inn, or whatever. Falling in, falling, in, falling in love, love with two ends. Yes, because they're yes, building it's an inn as a bed and breakfast kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a Netflix original? Yes. And does that have anyone notable in it? 
or is it basically like TV Hallmark Channel level actors? Christina Milian. She was like a singer back in like the 2000s. If you say so. She's been in some stuff. But no, there are not a lot of big name people in that movie. Okay, so that's my point. Yeah. I mean, yes. I think everybody knows that Netflix originals are very hit or miss. Mm-hmm. They're just as likely to be mediocre or to bad as, you know, surprisingly, you know, okay and to really good. There are some that are surprisingly okay. Right. And really good. <laughs> so what does this movie do well? We kind of touched on the idea that they do a good job of kind of marrying Hispanic and traditional American culture and um, kind of exploring more modern gender roles. Yeah. And also, they, they also do a good job of kind of just modern economics. Like, it's hard for any family, really, to afford oh, yeah, life no, by sure. themselves yeah. and just have one job. Like, you need to have multiple jobs or both partners have to work or both partners have to work multiple jobs right. just to afford everyday life. Right. I'm, all, I'm, I'm honestly kind of curious about some of the economics with her character. Cause like, so were they getting evicted or they were getting, so like, are they renting? Do they own that house? Like, it's not clear. It's not clear. We know her husband is dead. He is deceased. We only know that because her mother makes a crack about her having a dead husband. Yes. (laughs) And so, and yeah, it's like, well, you're not the only one whose husband is gone. And she's like, yeah, dad's not dead. Like (laughs) (laughs) he just left you. So that's the only way we know her husband died. Right. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, it certainly speaks to the struggles of a lot of people nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, I I don't know if I want to say that I I feel like Anna Ferris's lie was more or less believable than Kurt Russell's fraud. You know what I mean? <laughs> because the thing is, certain aspects of her story were, I think, more believable. Yeah. Whereas, I don't know. I mean, I think the problem with both of these movies is just it's so far-fetched that you can just take a person with amnesia and spoon-feed them blatantly false life story, and they're just like, oh, okay. You know, I mean, yeah. you'd think he'd be smart enough to be, they'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, you just, you, you got to support your family. Like, you know, you take one whatever jobs you can, and he's just like, and they're like, wow, you have, like, lady, soft lady hands, you know? Like, you've never worked a day in your life, it looks like. Wouldn't he be like, yes. huh, from, interesting. From personal Maybe. experience, Jonathan started out in an office life and then transitioned to manual labor. And 100% there is a distinct difference between hand calluses and hand softness yes. between office work and art work. <laughs> yeah. Hard so, physical work. It's just, I don't know. Like I say, just the whole the whole concept of the plot itself, and this goes to also to the oh, original. They explained that. Because she was like, oh, honey, you lost your job. So now my right. friend has gotten you this job to work right. construction. Right, no, I know. And it's like, who knows what yeah. he was... I guess she didn't have to come up with yeah. what he was doing before. Maybe she she did, but we didn't... That was off screen, I guess. Yeah. Or he'd be like, what? What did I do before, you know? I don't know. I mean, 
obviously it's far fetched, but it ha- that's the concept of the movie. So you just go with it. The suspension of disbelief just has to be there. And you already, and this isn't much of a spoiler because if you've seen the first one, you already know that there's money at the end. But I was kind of dissatisfied with how this movie ended. Okay. Like, so in the first one, in the original, it turns out that Goldie Hawn is the rich one and not her husband who abandons her. <laughs> like, oh, right. it's all her money. And so they're rich anyway. Right. And then in this one, he gives up his entire fortune to be right, with her. Right, because it's actually his dad. Because his dad's rich. And his dad is like, yeah. And he's like, if you marry this woman who like kidnapped you for however long, like I'm cutting you off. Right. And he's like, I don't care. I love her. And then they wind up together. And then at the end, like his, you know, butler? No, his sister. No, no. Yeah. The, well, the, the butler guy The comes. steward on the, the steward. yacht. Yes. <laughs> I don't know the yachting terms. Um, he comes and is like, oh, but the boat's in your name. Like, so you own this however many right, million, 60 his, million his sister, dollar yacht. His sister who ended up taking over the company. Oh, the younger sister? Sent, oh, yes, the younger okay. sister. She sent the yacht back and said, no, he owns yeah, it. Yeah, it's you know, his it was, yacht. It was a present to him. He yeah. can do what he wants. So he it. owns the $60 million yacht that they're going to sell and then have money. But she's going to still be a nurse and he's going to... I mean, that like, is, you're right. It is a little disappointing because you're like, okay, you've seen... I almost said Goldie Hawn. You've seen yeah. Anna Ferris work so hard and, you know, studying and doing all she can to better her life to pass the nursing exam. And, you know... With the goal of providing a better life for her kids so she can be there and, like... And then it's like, hey, good job you worked so hard. Now Prince Charming showed up and sweeps you off your feet and takes you off to his castle in Spain. And, you know, you (laughs) can just... Don't worry about that crap. Just go live a life of luxury now. Yeah. And presumably be, you know, humbled and down to earth still. But, yeah, it's like, why would you... You're not going to go work a job as a nurse if you now have $60 million? Yeah. I mean, so... Yeah, I can see that's a little dissatisfying. At the same time, you you want, you know, somewhere inside you, you want that fairy... Fairy tale ending. that fairy tale (laughs) ending for them. Yeah. And, you know, you want to just know, oh, you know, it's so nice that, you know, they end up together and they're going to have this nice whatever life. Because, of course, everybody would love to have a, you know, millionaire, let alone a billionaire, come through and be like, hey, what's up? You know, I'm the love of your (laughs) life and also I happen to be rich, you know? Yeah. So to be clear, that's what the movie did not do well. You didn't like the ending. I did not like that. And ending. also, to, in a way, the the original movie kind of did it better because she's rich and Kurt Russell is now you know able to partake of her wealth to some degree as her husband. Mm-hmm. And because his dream was he needed funding to like build his dream business. He can still proceed with his dream and yeah. like build that into, you know, a way to reinvest in the community and like have, you know, this attraction and all that stuff. So it actually kind of works better in the original. Yeah. And you don't feel as like, oh, all of your hard work was for nothing because now you just, oh, just forget that, you know? Yeah. No, like now he's going to, he's going to build his, his business that he wants. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. I don't know what I was going to say. Okay. Do you think they had no chemistry? I, I did feel like there there was not much of it. Do you think that one of them had more chemistry than the other? Does that make sense? Like, do you feel like one... Like, who who's the fault with the lack of chemistry? <sighs> hmm. Well, I mean, from, from a character standpoint, like, 
he's obviously still trying to get with her because he's like, oh, this is my wife. She's attractive. Yeah, like, up? it's yeah. fine. But she's like, no, thanks. Like, I'm good. Right. <laughs> like, and you just attribute that to that she knows the truth. And yeah. So she's like, look, you're a playboy. I don't know where you've been. Like, yeah. you have, you know, 18 condoms that you were found <laughs> with. That That's why he went overboard. Yeah. Because he went looking for them. Um, so yeah, like, she had other motives yeah. to just be like it wasn't just like oh i don't want to take yeah. advantage of the situation but that was also like in line with the character so i feel like you can't really fault on right. a ferris no, for it because right. she's doing what the script says sure but there are those moments where like they finally give in to the their attraction yeah. and i i felt like those moments were kind of like i don't Man. know they didn't they didn't feel very natural like they felt kind of forced yeah yeah. Like when he shows up with the ice cream for her and she's kind of like, what are you doing? Yeah. Or when they go out on their date because she lies and says it's their anniversary. Yeah. But when yeah. they finally, like, kiss for the first time, like, you know, you can, I don't know. It just didn't feel as, like, there didn't seem to be as much of a spark between them as there are in some other movies. So, let me posit this. Maybe the problem was that the plot of the movie itself basically would it would be more natural for there to not be chemistry because it is a fraud. Right. Whereas in an actual romantic comedy, like let's take You've Got Mail, mm -hmm. okay? In You've Got Mail, they're antagonistic towards each other because they are antagonistic in their business. Yeah. They're and, business rivals. <laughs> right. They're business rivals. And of course, but there's still like that sexual tension where it's like, oh, yeah. you guys, you know, really hate each other. But at the same time, you kind of like each other, right? Yeah. Whereas, well, there are those moments where they, like, pause. Like, like and you've got mail, there are those little pauses of, like, oh, maybe this could be something. But neither of them ever acts on it. Right. Whereas in this movie, like, when they had those little moments, she, like, instantly shot it down. But Like, when it, he brought the ice cream, she was like, next time bring toppings. <laughs> you know, like. But is that more to do with the fact that that is what would happen in this scenario where she's conning him. Right. And she doesn't want to actually, like, she's not real. I mean, she's fighting against maybe falling in love because she probably is guilty. Yeah. Like, she knows, like, hey, if I fall in love with this guy, he's going to eventually figure it out and he's going to hate me even more. Yeah. You know? So, in a way, it's almost like a catch-22 unfortunate thing where the lack of chemistry seems more like what would happen if this scenario actually happened. Yeah. So, it's like... Do you want it to be more realistic or do you want it to be more like the fairy tale Hollywood rom-com thing where you're like, oh, it's so nice. They're yeah. falling in love. Like, in a way, I think that might be good, but at the same time, it might turn people off. And I yeah. can understand why the critics are like, oh, there's no chemistry. It's like, yeah, but there shouldn't be chemistry because they're not, so, they're, you know. Yeah. Yeah. One of them is a fraudster. So one right. thing I want to ask before we get into our final category. Okay. And that is how much of these types of movies relies on Stockholm Syndrome? Okay. Like, does he only wind up loving her because he's been trapped in, like, her life? And, like, he's just been living it for a while? And it's like, oh, yeah. You know, I like mean, it, that's, that's an extremely cynical way of putting <laughs> it, to be honest. I mean, that's, 
that's pretty much as cynical as, you know, watching Sleepless in Seattle and being like, she's a crazy stalker. She is a crazy stalker. I know stalker. she is, but it's still cynical to say because, I mean, the fact of the matter is, there's plenty of people who have gotten together because one was a creepy stalker, but the other one thought that that just happened. You know, they liked them back and yeah. it was charming. Like, like they just happened to run into each other like when the really line, it was contrived. The line between, like, the line between stalker and suitor is really up to the other person's perception perception and how and reciprocation. Right. Right. And so if the girl likes him and then he's like, oh, like... I'm really, I was really nervous to come over and I've been watching you and whatever. And she's like, oh, well, I, really, I like you too. And he's like, oh, cool. You know, whatever. Then cool. But if she's like, creep, get away from me. <laughs> the exa- I mean, it, that's the truth. And I'm sure that, you know, a lot of people notice that about our society. Yeah. And so, that, anyway, getting back. It, it's <laughs> cynical to point that out, but... I don't want to think so. Okay. To answer your question, because I you think to take the optimist view. <laughs> more so, the point of this movie is not so much about their romance. The point of this movie should be really about the redemption of his ego and personality. Yeah. You know, the idea that hey, a rich douchebag can really better themselves and be a better person. Yeah, just from, like, living in someone else's shoes. So at the, right. at the end of the conversation, like, right before the big romantic, like, run towards each other in slow motion on the beach. Um, is more in the ocean, <laughs> but um. he, He's, like, talking with his family about the future of the business, and he's like, yeah, we make these concrete bags that are 90 pounds. Like, we need to make 30-pound bags. Right. And his sister's like, why would we ever do yeah, that? And he's be like, because the people who carry them care that they're 90 pounds. Right, exactly. Because he had carried them yeah. as, <laughs> as this day laborer. And, no, I mean, it was, yeah, you saw that it had affected him. Because that wasn't something that had to do with her. That was just, like you say, being in someone else's shoes. It's like an undercover boss situation. Yeah. Right? Where you're like, oh, <laughs> I never realized that our, you know, processes or, you know, the way we do things sucks in X, Y, and Z ways. And now I realize it because I've actually been down on the floor talking to the common people that face these problems. I mean, I can just say as someone who works on things and repairs things that (laughs) other people designed, there's times where I'm like, why the F would you design this this way? This is the worst possible. And I'm sure there's a reason. Some engineer goes, well, you know, that's just the most cost-effective, efficient way to do it. And I'm like, yeah, but it sucks when it breaks. (laughs) So, yeah. um, I think, like I say, this movie is really, it's supposed to be about the redemption of the you know, the narcissistic, rich, whatever. I don't think it's Stockholm Syndrome, like you ask, <laughs> so much as it is, you know, he, you want to think that he just realized that, you know, his life was me. I think what really what it is, is it caused him to self-reflect for probably the first time in his life. Yeah. And he even told her, he's like, yeah, like, what is he, he says? He's like, my life was... What does he say? I don't remember. He says something about, like, I think he says, like, his life is BS with her, meaning, like, it was a lie. Mm-hmm. But 
at the same time, like, he realizes now that his life was BS before. As in, like, it wasn't worth anything. Mm -hmm. There's no value to it. And so he'd rather be with her based on a lie Mm -hmm. than go back to his old life where he literally, like, felt nothing. I mean, he probably doesn't want to end up being his father, dying at 70 and being alone and realizing, oh, yeah, what, what, why? Mm -hmm. I wasted my life doing nothing, you know? Yeah. So that's, I think, what... Yeah. I mean, it also gave him the chance to be less selfish, too. Because before, his whole life was just about him and everything right. that he wanted. And then, you know, he takes the initiative to, like, improve the lives of the daughters. Like, you know, he helps one ride a bike without her training wheels. He helps the other one out of a boy situation. And, you know, helps one with, like, her homework. Like, he just, he does, or gets her into, more into football or something I don't know but he basically you know spends quality time and figures out that you know maybe there's more to life than just so overall do you wish you had not watched this movie no I mean I it's fine I think this movie's fine I I have more of a question of why they felt the need to remake this movie but at the same time I mean what in Hollywood is not being remade nowadays yeah so I mean Without knowing anything and just making assumptions. Again, I think it was a chance to bring an old story new life in, like, a new country. And make it more appealing to worldwide audiences. Yeah. Do you feel like it's more likely that comedies get remade than other films? I think so. I feel like... I mean, there have been some remakes of dramas over the years, like the many remakes of The Star is Born. Sure. Or um, even, you know, we talked about Rear Window. It's been remade a couple of times. One is like a TV movie. One is Disturbia starring Shia LaBeouf. Right. Um, <laughs> but I think comedies are easier to remake because the bar is so low. Mm-hmm. With good dramatic performances, you need to match that. You need the great dramatic actors you need a-list stars you need good writing good writing good Good production value everything to make it that same kind of experience whereas with a comedy you just need to make people laugh a couple times hopefully more than a couple (laughs) i probably had three really big laughs during this movie right yeah maybe four so it was enjoyable just because it was a lighthearted whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, we were watching it. Usually we watch these films at night. This time we're crunched for time. And so we were watching it in the daytime. You know, you were working on some stuff. I was dealing with our son. You know, and just kind of... I mean, we were mostly paying attention. but And so it works as a film like that. It does, for sure. Where you're like, oh, I don't really... Just something on in the background. Like, I, you know, oh, you know, I'm cooking dinner. But I'll, you know, pause it and go... Like, you, that's fine. Yeah. There is Spanish dialogue, though, so as we said before, like, be forewarned, you know, you <laughs> might want to pause it versus just leave the room for five minutes. Yeah. Because you can't necessarily just listen to what's going on and, you Unless know, you speak Spanish, part. like well, some people in this house, and then yes. you're fine. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm some people. I have, like, elementary school child <laughs> vocabulary in Spanish. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think I agree. I think um, it's perfectly... Like, it's perfectly serviceable as a movie. It doesn't have any super obvious or terrible flaws that make you say, oh my gosh, this is the worst, you know? Right. I mean, I just think it's it's probably not some people's cup of tea. Yeah. 
which is totally fine. If it is your cup of tea, then you'll probably enjoy this movie. Yeah. It's not bad. So, and obviously, a lot of people in Mexico did enjoy this movie. Yeah. Because it made, you know, a third of its, you know, somewhere between a quarter and a third of its overall... International budget. Yeah, (laughs) total gross, including... Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'm not sure if that 91 million that I looked up was the domestic or the international. But either way... I don't know either. 91 million is still decent. (laughs) For a movie like this, and if it was more because the international was on top of that, hey, even better. Icing on the cake. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Feel free to reach out to us on social media at One Star Bazaar to let us know what you think, what you want us to watch, what we can improve on. Next week, we will be taking a trip to Bollywood, because why not? Dude, Bollywood is amazing. (laughs) So we're going to be watching Thugs of Hindostan. I'm sure it'll be amazing. I'm looking forward to it. Me I've too. I've never seen a Bollywood film. I've heard a lot about them. Never? Never. Why? Never? I'm a white dude in America. Like, I why am a I've... white woman okay. in America, Just and saying. I've seen many Bollywood movies. My experience with Bollywood is basically memes that show up on Reddit. Well, you're in various, for a treat. <laughs> uh, you know, edited in captions, so it will be interesting. Definitely in for a treat, for sure.